Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sports book that gives you tools to win, like MyBookie. At MyBookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use MyBookie for daily odds boosts, same game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Every single sack, fumble, and touchdown is another chance to hit payday. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag and on your first deposit, use promo code TSUS to grab a deposit match up to $1,000. Try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl front runner at long shot odds. Plus 38,000 on the Eagles and Chiefs. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris Dory of SEC Network. He joins the show once again. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this. How was your weekend? It was good, man. It was uh, busy, as it always is. Hard to believe we're already through week eight now and uh, almost through the month of October. Seems like we're getting down the stretch. And I think so, the lesson learned not only in this conference but nationally is that as the season wears on, as the physical and mental toll that the, the, the schedule takes on you, Weird things start to happen. There were a lot of close uh, potential upsets that didn't occur. Virginia takes down North Carolina. I really think over the next uh, five weeks, we're going to see some significant upsets taking place. And, and uh, the pressure ratchets up. We'll get the the, uh, the, the first college football playoff rankings coming out here in, in a little over a week. And uh, I think that, that pressure will uh, certainly force some of these teams that may be kind of uh, pretending right now to be exposed. Yeah, Chris, it was a great weekend for the underdogs, not just in college, but the NFL as well. So interesting for sure. Um, Chris, we'll start with all that happened in week eight. Of course, we'll start in Como. When you watch South Carolina, you know, obviously 34 to 12 loss. Gamecocks have lost three in a row, fall to two and five. Now you got a trip to Texas AM looming. How concerning is it to you what you're seeing from South Carolina at this point in year three of Shane Beamer's tenure? Well, I think, you know, heading into the season, we knew this was going to be a team that had a lot of youth and experience at a lot of positions. Even more youth has been pushed into having to play more with the injuries. I don't know if I've seen a more snake bit team as it relates to injuries. They continue to pile up at some of the worst positions. Having uh, Rashawn Lee out this last week was certainly detrimental as well. Um, but it, it, the thing that I like about it, and I don't know why anybody would expect anything different. They played hard for Shane Beamer. The, the team always shows up and plays with a lot of effort and intensity. Um, that spurt before halftime that Missouri went on, they're up, you know, score four four times on four straight possessions. They go up 24 to three. Um, thought that maybe it was going to turn into a blowout, but uh, the defense played better in the second half. You saw uh, Spencer Rattler do what he's done all year long and, and try to bring his team back. Uh, unfortunately for the game, they couldn't get into the end zone. But I'll say this, that's a really good Missouri team having to go to a place that's kind of a sneaky, challenging place to go play. And I thought that they kind of held their own despite having you know, so many holes to fill due to injuries. And, and I know that we don't believe in moral victories in this conference. But, you know, I, I think I would worry if it was a situation like I saw in Arkansas. Uh, I'm not quite as worried because of the fight that I saw from South Carolina on Saturday. And Chris, speaking of Arkansas, of course, the Hogs fall to Mississippi State 7-3, to a game that set back offensive football yeah. years, it felt like, watching that thing unfold. 
Sam Pittman makes the decision to fire Dan Enos basically in the middle of year one of his tenure. I think it was a move. It kind of feels like Chris out of desperation, one that had to be made, obviously, because as his seat warms up. And I felt like that was the game Saturday that may have put the final nail in the coffin for Pittman. Maybe this is a move that buys him some more time, and especially if they finish the season strong. Your thoughts on the game, but most importantly, Pittman's decision to fire Dan Enos and what you think that means for his tenure moving forward. Let's go back to not the decision to fire him, but the decision to hire him in the offseason. After Kendall Bryles leaves, it seemed like an odd kind of a choice. You know, I know that Dan Enos had had a a history at at Arkansas, had had been with uh, Sam Pittman before, but this this, uh, offensive – uh, depth chart was was built to play in a much different style. I feel bad for KJ Jefferson, honestly. I mean, the offensive line is not very good. They haven't been able to run the football all year long. They can't protect him. Uh, the receivers don't get open, so he's out there on his own trying to make things happen. And the offense has no identity whatsoever. They don't do anything creative to try to uh, you know move him around and not let him just being a, a sitting duck there in the pocket. They don't run him, which I think is one of his better strengths that that you could certainly utilize. And, um, you know, the, 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 the limitations on, on what they're doing in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the route concepts just seems very rudimentary. So uh, I'm not surprised that they, they made the move with Dan Enos. I hope that this was an effort to provide a little insulation for himself and, and that it, it does buy him another year because I think he's done a great job of taking over a disaster from Chad Morris. But honestly, the way that it felt on Saturday after that game – felt very reminiscent of what we felt after a couple of those losses to Western Kentucky, to San Jose State, to North Texas that occurred at home when Chad Morris was here in his final couple of years. Uh, Apathy is one of the worst emotions you can have. And right now there's still a little anger and disappointment, but when you get to the point of being apathetic, that's when it becomes time to make a move. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chris, certainly apathy and emotion that Gamecock Nation feels and can can 
relate to what you're saying. They've certainly been in that position before. Uh, let's move to Tuscaloosa, Chris. I thought Alabama showed great fight, heart, resiliency, toughness, what have you, whatever adjective you want to use in that comeback win. Looked like Tennessee was going to make it two in a row, row, roll to a victory, and Bama with a big second-half comeback. I know volunteer fans this morning, many of them out there complaining about referees, but you go back and look at this game, it feels like Alabama, they just really took it to Tennessee in that second half. They did, and they set the tone coming right out of the halftime locker room. You know, they get the ball on offense, get the big big run on first down, hit the uh, the long pass over the top to Isaiah Bond. So two plays, 41 seconds into the second half, you cut that 13-point lead down to six. The defense goes out there, forces a three and out and a punt, and away things were going. The momentum was clearly on the side of Alabama. You saw a couple moves of desperation by Josh Heupel going for it on fourth down on their own end. Uh, the defense not only forces a turnover, but they get two turnovers on downs. They get the scoop and score for the touchdown. Uh, they, they win 27 nothing in the second half. Uh, I thought it was a great example of not panicking because Tennessee had Alabama on their heels. I mean, they, they were going up and down the field, 187 yards of offense in that first 15 minutes alone. Uh, but the defense did a great job of keeping them out of the end zone. And I thought that was much like what we saw earlier in the season where they had to maybe – Hold on while the offense figured things out. They were able to stabilize and force uh, field goals on a couple possessions inside the red zone. That is a recipe for losing against Alabama. you got to be able to score touchdowns when you have the opportunity, and Tennessee was not able to do that. But I thought that they you know, played a pretty near-perfect first half outside of that. Uh, Joe Milton starts 9-9. Nine of nine. Uh, The receivers are catching the ball much better than they had before, uh, getting some decent protection. So, uh, credit to Alabama for not going into the locker room and, and, and panicking. They came out, made a few adjustments, and were able to uh, to win that one going away. Now, Chris, to the Plains, we talked about this one last week. It is always tough to go into Jordan-Hare and, and play well and win. Ole Miss able to do that final score of 28-21. to 21. What did you see from this ball game? You know, Quinshawn Judkins has a big night, 124 yards rushing. 202 yards passing for Jackson Dart. He was pretty efficient outside of the one interception. And, uh, you know, for Auburn, obviously, it's just continuing to try to find as much as you can out of the quarterback position. But yeah. what did you see specifically? And there's no such thing as a bad win on the road in the SEC, especially when it comes under the lights at Jordan-Hare. Yeah, going to Jordan-Hare is one of the toughest places you have to play in the conference. Uh, Ask Georgia that. They struggled there a couple of weeks ago. This was going to be a huge test for them, not only because of that environment, but because of, of uh, the health of Jack and Dart, the health of Trey Harris. Those guys looked like they were back to, to full strength. Um, it was 14-14 at halftime. And the Rebels did what they've done all year long, and that's come out and play a, a, a great second half. They've um, a, a team that's trying to ascend to come to the next level in the SEC. And I think this was a huge confidence builder for them, uh, not only to, to show that they could go on the road and win, but uh, show that maybe when you're not playing your best, you can – find a way to get a victory, which they were able to do. Um, you know, Jackson Dart still continues to be a great dual threat quarterback. When he's healthy, he certainly puts the pressure on you with his running ability. Uh, but I, I do think that this is a team that's not being talked about enough. And I, I love the fact that we're heading into the final week of October and we got three teams in the West that are still alive and three teams in the East that are still alive. This could be chaotic as we go through the, the, the last month of the season. 
Chris, as we look at week nine upcoming this weekend, of course, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which, yes, that's what I still call it, Chris, and I will forever and ever call it that. That is a game, Chris, admittedly, that is actually on my bucket list. Like, I'm eventually going to find myself in Jacksonville, Florida for Florida and Georgia, and you played in this ballgame. Did you play in it when it was in Jacksonville? Because I know it was back and forth. Yeah, Um, so – just to give the full history, man, I, yeah. you know, I grew up a, a lifelong Gator fan. Both of my parents graduated from the University of Florida. My father was a professor at the College of Pharmacy there. So we went to all the home games. But I always wanted to go to Jacksonville to watch the Florida-Georgia game. My parents would never take me because every year it was disappointment, whether it was Buck Baloo to Lindsey Scott in the final seconds or Herschel Walker running up and down the field, 44 nothing. Georgia found many ways to torture us Gator fans. So my first experience going was actually selling programs to get into the stadium and have a chance to be there for a big Florida win uh, there in the in the later 80s. Uh, but I was always intrigued with what this game meant, how special it was. There's a Hall of Fame devoted just to this ball game, and I think that speaks to the the tradition. I think to, it speaks to the importance of the game. Uh, I, for one, believe that this game should always be played in Jacksonville. I did experience it as a home at home. You may remember when they were tearing down the Gator Bowl to build the Jaguar Stadium. Uh, we played it in Gainesville in 94 and played it in, in uh, Athens in 95. So I experienced playing in all three venues. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, while it was a, a novel uh, thing to get a chance to be a part of, playing home and home with Georgia, it, it's so much better there. The 50-50 orange and blue, red and black, the, the number of tailgaters that come out just to be a part of the, the atmosphere, uh, driving over the bridge as we're coming from the TPC Sawgrass Hotel we stay in. Uh, and seeing just the visuals was always one of my favorite things to do. And it's uh, in a world that uh, tradition is, is going away, particularly here in our conference. It's uh, it's one that we need to hold on to. So I'm excited about uh, the fact that we get a chance to go back over to Jacksonville this week. Yeah, Chris, I don't think too many Gator fans, though, will complain about the home and home you guys had back in 94, 95, especially 95. when I think it was Steve Spurrier. He knew going in that 50 had never been dropped at Sanford. And of course, yep. you guys go and do the do the deed in Athens, which I, I know Gator fans still probably look back to this day with a smile on their face. But yeah, the, the question I was going to get to, Chris, is just I, I like for somebody who's never been, can you describe the electricity of that environment? I've, I've heard from many people about, you know, the weekend start, people go down to St. Simon's and party and then go up to Jacksonville or what have you. And I mean, it, it just, it's one of those, again, for me as a college football fan, it, it's certainly on my bucket list because I've heard yeah. so many great things of just, the passion, the energy, and electricity. And, oh, by the way, it is a heated, heated rivalry. There's no love lost between these two teams. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. 
Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah, it, it's interesting, too, the streaks that the rivalry has gone in. The 80s largely dominated by the Bulldogs. The 90s, we dominated it. So it's uh, right now seems to be on the uh, the, the path of, of the, the Georgia dominance here with the teams that they've had, the wins that they've had against us over there. But I, I, I do think that um, the electricity you talked about, it's a unique environment because there's never a quiet moment where, you know, you play a home game when something good happens for the opposing team, it's very quiet. There, half the stadium's always cheering, whether it's a, a, a good play by Florida or a good play for Georgia. Somebody's happy about what's taking taking place. So you, you talk about uh, Kirby Smart has lobbied for this game to, to go back to uh, being a home-and-home home or going to a home-and-home. Home. But the, the Georgia fans, they all make it a, a point of travel to get down there to the north or to the south Georgia islands, as you talked about. Um, the, the students don't have school on Friday, to, so they can all get down there. Um, it, it just is one of the great traditions, and it's one that um, even if you don't have tickets, just getting to Jacksonville and feeling that electricity starting on about – shoot, uh, over at the RV park, they start showing up probably tomorrow morning. Uh, and, and, again, that's one of the great traditions as well. So sticking with that, Chris, when you look at this year's chapter of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, the Florida Gators, this, this game's a little bit more intriguing than I think we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Florida, Chris – Coming in off the bye, both teams are, but Florida coming off that big win over South Carolina, starting to build some momentum, some confidence, especially in the offensive side of the football. Georgia without Brock Bowers. How do you see this one shaking out? How much of a chance do you give Florida to pull the upset over the number one ranked dogs? Yeah, I give them a better chance now without Brock Bowers than I probably would have a week ago. Uh, the other thing that has me feeling a little optimistic about Florida's chances is the emergence of the deep vertical passing game that was not something that was a part of the offense much last year or even in the first uh, month and a half of the season this year uh but they, they found the ability to push the ball down the field ricky Pearsall is a tremendous weapon but i think you know you see trey harris the freshman come in and do some great things khalil jackson the, the former walk-on from gainesville who has uh, become a starter for the gators has done a nice job uh there's a lot of weapons that i think the, the quarterback has at his disposal that Anthony Richardson didn't have at his last year. So I think they're figuring themselves out. 
Uh, the key to me will be, will the offensive line be able to, to, to block up front to protect long enough to get some shots down the field? Uh, can they be able to move guys off the line of scrimmage? They haven't been as dominant up front running the football as they were last year. But I, I do think that, that Florida has a, a chance in this ballgame. The, the, the question to me is, like, all of the optimism that is out there around the program, how much of that is real and how much of that is based on beating a two-win South Carolina team that you probably could have and should have lost to? So I need to see Florida back it up. Um, once we saw them beat Tennessee, uh, Florida fans were feeling pretty optimistic, and then they went out and got blown out in Lexington. Uh, how much of the goodwill goes away from the, the, the South Carolina win if you go out there and you're not competitive with the Georgia on Saturday? I think that's a, something I need to see a little more consistency from Florida before I truly believe it. Now, Chris, the college station we go, South Carolina taking on the Texas Adam Aggies in a venue in which the Gamecocks, Chris, have never won before. Of course, you might recall last year, South Carolina snapping that seven-game losing streak. They had never beaten the Aggies before last year. Gamecocks opened as a two-touchdown underdog. This is a team, again, lost three in a row, looking for something to feel good about. Texas A&M, of course, they've had their own struggles, but coming off the bye week, and, you know, you look at this game, Chris, the number one thing that jumps out are two things, my greatest concerns. Number one, South Carolina has a plethora of injuries, and they're mm-hmm. flat out just not very good on the offensive line specifically. And while Texas A&M is wildly inconsistent, and Chris, I don't trust Texas A&M for anything, they're elite in the trenches, especially yeah. that defensive front. And also, Chris, you look at the road splits, home and road for Spencer Rattler. And granted, give credit to the competition he's faced, but he, he's just been a completely different quarterback away from williams Bryce Stadium. So when you look at this game, I, I mean, I, I just – I don't know where to find the hope and optimism yeah. for South Carolina, admittedly, because, again, as porous as Texas A&M has been, and weird things happen in 11 a.m. local kickoff times, right, Chris? We know that. But it, it feels like this is a game that I think looks much, much, much more difficult for South Carolina now than it did over the summer because of some of their deficiencies and the injuries yeah. they're facing going into this one. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't give you or the Gamecock fan base a whole lot of uh, hope or inspiration right now because styles make fights. And right now what I see is an injured, tired-looking South Carolina team versus a Texas A&M team coming off of a bye. I know they played a physical game last time out against Tennessee, but you know, hopefully for their perspective, you can put that behind you and, and, and try to get a little – uh, healthy and rested during the bye week. I also think that the style, the matchups that you talked about on the lines of scrimmage is not favorable at all for, for South Carolina. I just don't see how they're going to be able to protect against what I think is one of the best front sevens in the conference. Uh, Spencer Rattler's in for another long night of getting hit. I, I don't really believe that they can line up and, and run the football. And on the other side, uh, the Texas A&M offensive line was taken advantage of by Tennessee, but I don't see South Carolina having the same sort of construction of, of, of talent on that front seven that, that Tennessee does. So I, I don't know that they're going to be able to um, pressure Max Johnson the same way. Um, if they can, maybe that's their, their best opportunity to, to, to hit him and force him into some bad throws. But right now it just seems like uh, a, a very poor matchup for where South Carolina is in the season. Chris, to Lexington, Kentucky, and, and this is a game I, I think really interesting between the Wildcats and Tennessee. You know, I, I feel like Kentucky's been one of the most disappointing teams in regards to preseason expectation, preseason height, what we thought they were going to be, or at least how they were going to look and what they are at this current juncture. 
I feel like this is a game for Kentucky that if you're going to put it all together, if, if it's if you're going to look how most folks expected, this is the ball game, right? Because you got a Tennessee team coming off that loss to Bama, a high-quality football team, no doubt, but I think a beatable football team, night game at Kroger Field. What are you expecting for from this one, and what are you most looking forward to from this matchup between the Wildcats and Vols? Yeah, I, I hope Kentucky was able to, to find a way to get back on track during the bye week. Uh, a lot of hope for the Wildcats. I've been a, a promoter of that program for a long time. They go out there, they're not competitive against Georgia, and then look completely lost the final three quarters of the game against Missouri at home, nonetheless. So they've got to find a, a way to bounce back. Um, Tennessee is uh, a, a very physical team on both lines of scrimmage. When they get it going, they're, they're as good as, as anybody in this league. They showed that in the first 30 minutes of the game in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Uh, the question is, like you said, what is the mindset? Uh, where are they in terms of, of being able to, to put the Alabama game behind them? And um, you know, can they continue to have some success throwing the football like they did in that first quarter? I mentioned Joe Milton's start, 9 of 9. He seemed like he was confident throwing the football. The receivers were catching it. Uh, when they have a little bit of the, the, the complement of the downfield passing game, it makes that, that run offense even more difficult to defend. And so I, I do think that um, I would probably lean Tennessee at this point. But you go and look at the, the, the schedule so far, they didn't play very well against Florida in, in Gainesville in the first half of that ball game before getting back on track. They played well in the first half but didn't play well in the second half. I haven't seen Tennessee put a four-quarter game together yet. So – if you're Kentucky, maybe you're, you're, you're feeling pretty good about that. And, and um, if you can get your offensive uh, identity back to be able to throw the football, which we thought they were going to do with that great group of receivers and a quarterback coming over from NC State through the portal, they had a lot of success there previously in, in, in Raleigh. Um, you figure that piece out, maybe, maybe they can uh, pull off the upset at home. Now, Chris, the best of the rest in the SEC slate, Auburn-Mississippi State at 3.30, the SEC Network game, and then Ole Miss and Vandy, the other SEC Network game, primetime, 7.30 kick. Anything from those two games stand out to you? It feels like kind of two pillow fights, admittedly, although Ole Miss is, astonishingly enough, had some trouble with Vandy over the years. But anything jump out to you from those two games specifically? I wouldn't say anything specifically. I just I look at Ole Miss's schedule, and I think it sets up really nicely for them. They get the the game against uh, Vandy coming up. Uh, I believe they have another home game after that, and then they have to go to Athens. But but I, this is a team. I think at worst we end up seeing sitting at ten and two at the end of the year, and I, I think that's a pretty good year for Lane Kiffin, given all of the the uh, turnover on the roster from last year to this year. So. Um, things headed in the right direction. And who knows if LSU can go out there and, and, and find a way to beat Alabama in two weeks and, and uh, you figure out a way to upset Georgia at home, um, you may be talking about your first SEC championship appearance in the last year of divisions. They could actually win the West. Chris, last thing before I get you out of here, and again, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. This is something I've been posing, a question I've been posing to to a couple of different people, but it's, it's just something that's interesting to me because – what this season has taught me, Chris, following South Carolina, following other schools, but obviously being connected to the Gamecocks. And, you know, over the offseason, Shane Beamer was a guy who I would have labeled as untouchable, like really, truly because of the goodwill he had built up, the finish to the 2022 season, recruiting momentum, et cetera, right? 
I would have labeled him as such. And and now you hit the halfway point of the third year of his tenure. And you've actually got South Carolina fans that have become so restless. They're questioning the future of his tenure in Columbia. We're seeing it also at Arkansas with Sam Pittman, Chris. I, I think those two programs are actually really similar. Sam Pittman and Shane Beamer are similar to their respective schools where they're like, we got our guy. He embodies yeah. our culture. He embodies our program. I, I say all that to ask you this, Chris, because patience is something that SEC football fans, college football fans as a whole, but especially SEC football yeah. fans don't have. And, you know, Chris, coaches used to get five, six, seven years to get recruiting classes in and build programs, but things like NIL, Transfer Portal, they've expedited the expectations or they've 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 made that window much shorter for coaches to turn things around. Yeah, I don't know if it's easy to put like a specific number of years on it or length of time because, right, it's it's a different challenge at Florida than it is at South Carolina. Let's just call it for what it is. But how long do you feel like coaches should be awarded? Because it's it's such a win-now culture where it's like, not what have you done for me lately, literally what have you done yeah. for me in the last game, right? And if you're if you're not winning, I think what we're seeing – you can have the best culture. You can you can be the 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 funniest coach. It, it, like all that stuff doesn't matter. Wins and losses. That's yeah. literally all that matters. I mean, your thoughts on the increased pressures that I think head coaches are getting so yeah. early in their tenure? Yeah, it, it is a uh, an interesting uh, change in, in the way that the transfer portal and the way that the NIL uh, has has maybe created a, an unrealistic expectation of what roster construction can do in just a, a, a matter of a year. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Sam Pittman's. I'm a big fan of Shane Beamer's. I, I think Shane Beamer in each of his first couple seasons in Columbia exceeded what my expectations were for them, what most of the fans' expectations probably were. And we knew coming into the season with all the, the youth that they were going to be forced into playing, that there were going to be some growing plans. It was a tough schedule that they've, they've had to play. Uh, they've been in some some close ball games. Uh, you know, maybe the, the the most troubling thing to me, uh, just the lines of scrimmage not being better on offense and, and the defensive lines, and what how important that is to this conference. But I don't see a team that's giving up. I see a team that that, that plays really hard for Shane Beamer, and I think that's a good sign. And uh, I do think you know you would know this better than I do, but from the the standpoint of what they're doing on the recruiting trail, it still seems like they have a lot of momentum and uh, a lot of people excited about the program. So nobody finished the season last year hotter than than what South Carolina and Shane Beamer did with those wins over Tennessee and uh, Clemson in a matter of, what, seven, eight days there. So well, yeah, I don't think things should change yet. I think you got to stay the course, particularly with what you've seen in, in Tallahassee. Mike Norvell was a guy that Florida State fans wanted out of there the first couple seasons. They had to hang in there largely because they didn't have any options for the buyout. But that uh, has paid dividends now and, and has them undefeated and sights on getting into a college football playoff game. So I think you just have to try to resist the temptation to have the uh, the, the unrealistic expectations for our schools and understand that this is the league. Every every league game that some, one coach wins, there's another one that's losing. It. It's a zero-sum kind of situation. And you know that was one of the reasons why when we talked to the coaches down at – uh, spring meetings in Destin back in, in May, they're not for expanding to the nine-game conference schedule. It's only going to put, you know, more losses in, in the, the coaches' uh, win-loss columns, and it's going to create a lot of pressure and, and even more turnover, most likely.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris Doring of SEC Network. Chris, thoroughly enjoy these conversations every Monday. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for your insight. Always look forward to it and can't wait to do it again next week, my friend. And good luck to the Gators, by the way, in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Cannot I personally cannot wait to watch that go. game. In a, yeah, I, 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 will, I will make the trip at some point. I, I can gotcha, guarantee man. you. When I do, I will let you know. Let me know, man. Good to be on with you. Talk to you guys next week.